1: This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to Mosaic, the stories of real estate. We have got just a wonderful episode to you today. We're going to chat with Lauren Avery Collins of First Integrity Title in Colorado. And this is a great episode. If you have ever wondered what title is and how it factors into a real estate a transaction. Check out this episode. Lauren brings her fifteen years of experience in title, and we have a great chat on our podcast, Mosaic: The Stories of Real Estate. welcome to mosaic the stories of real estate. My name is Mike Nelson. I'm the CEO of efficient lending incorporated. We are a mortgage brokerage headquartered in the beautiful central Texas city of Waco, Texas. And it is a beautiful February day. I'm high atop the Alaco building and in, um, in our wonderful rogue media network studios. And it is just one of those chamber of commerce days, just a gorgeous day in the low 70s here in Waco. And, uh, if you haven't visited Waco, you should, because it's really kind of a cool place to be. So, uh, yeah, so this is a, this is Mosaic, the stories of real estate. And I kind of started this podcast with the idea that, you know, I'm a, I'm a lender, obviously, working in Colorado, Texas, and Florida. And you can find me online at efficientlending.net. And I love phone calls at 720-419-3016. So if you want to have any questions or kind of continue the dialogue, just give me a call. But I started this podcast because I'm really interested in legacy and generational wealth and kind of the role and the importance that uh, real estate plays kind of in our culture in the United States and and how people really kind of improve their lives through real estate. And so that's kind of the genesis of this idea for, for my podcast And this is an episode that we have today that I have been really looking forward to for the last couple months, because today we have Lauren Collins. She works for First Integrity Title Company in in Colorado, and I just love getting perspectives from outside, you know, the traditional lender, real estate agent perspective. And so I'm really excited to have Lauren with us. And Lauren uh, was the first title rep uh, that I used when I first started in this business way back in 2016. And so the way I kind of talk about Lauren is she fixed all the stupid things I was doing and loans because I had no clue what I was doing because I was brand new to the industry. So Lauren, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're here with us today.
0: Yeah, that, that's too funny. But thank you so much for having me here today. I wish I was sitting in uh, Texas with the 70 degree weather. Here we're sitting at a crisp 34 degrees in Colorado. Um, you guys got snow this. Week.
1: You got snow this week, didn't you? Oh,
0: we got a lot. Yeah, the mountains are just loving it.
1: Yeah. So, uh w- what about in the greater Denver metropolitan area? Was it one of those kind of uh three feet of snow and it melts, or is it still sitting around down there?
0: I mean, it's sitting around. It's probably a foot and a half. But as soon as the sun comes out, it it definitely melts. So it's. Well, it's all right.
1: <laughs> well, I can tell you, I, uh, you know, I, as you know, obviously I lived in, uh, in Castle Pines for 20 some odd years and uh, I'll take Colorado win- winters over Central Texas heat any day so I plan on uh, spending two or three months up in your neck neck of the woods uh, over the summer so I can get out of this heat but so Lauren, it kind of before we get going, kind of tell us who you are and what you do, and kind of uh, what what you do in your role and working for a title company. So we can give some people kind of perspective uh, on where you're coming at in the real estate world.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I know back when we met in what 2016, I was working as uh, an escrow closer, um, and I, I've since moved into more of a marketing role with First Integrity title company uh, as a rep. So I'm super grateful to be where I'm at here, but I've been in the industry for almost 15 years, which is kind of wild to think, but just kind of learned my way up through everything. I studied microbiology in college, so I'm not quite sure how I ended up here, but kind of, it just sucks you in. (laughs) Um, But it's definitely an often overlooked aspect of the whole process. So I feel like a lot of people don't know what a title company actually does. I feel like we're the closing location where they get the keys and actually sign all the documents, but they don't really know everything that goes into the full title search and transfer of property. So. We're actually the company that's doing um, a full examination of public land records and searching uh, the property to see who's owned it over um, the chain of title, I guess is what we call it. So we'll search back and make sure there's no clouds that would make it so that the new buyer doesn't have the full right of access to the property. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of fun putting together a little puzzle. And most of the time, it's super easy transfer of HOA, water, paying off a mortgage. But sometimes these things can get a little bit more complicated um, when people are filing deeds that maybe are incorrect or things of that nature. So we just kind of tidy everything up to make sure that, like I said, the new buyer has all the rights to ownership of the property.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's interesting if from coming from the lending side um, when I'm working and, and you obviously know this, when I'm working with a borrower and, and um, I'm doing estimated fee sheets, so they may or may not even be under contract at this point, And I'll show them an estimated fee sheet and I'll have a bunch of title costs on, on this estimated fee sheet, which of course I'm e- estimating off of websites. Some, you know, that, that your company would host, for example. And I get to that fee section and I'll say to, to my borrowers, look, I personally think the title company and what the services they provide are the most important part of any real estate transaction. And they're looking at me like, what is this guy talking about? I don't even know what title does. So do you think I'm overstating it when I say title is probably the most important part of the real estate transaction, or do or do you think do you think that's not really true? Kind of where where do you land on that statement?
0: I mean, I don't know how to answer this. I don't want to upset anyone, but I <laughs> I mean, I You're not I gonna really upset anybody. I really do think it is the most important part of the transaction uh, to make sure that you really do have the legal rights to the property. Um, We're also the the company that some of those fees are the recording fees. So we're actually signing the deed that transfers the property from seller to buyer and recording that with the county. So that is one of the key or um, there's an owner's policy and if there's a loan, a lender's policy along with a closing fee. So the owner's policy is protecting the new buyer in case something comes up that was missed when we're researching your chain of title, Um, that would um, allow you to come back and be protected so that we can uh, fight for that and fight for your rights to the property. Um, the loan policy is more so protecting the lender's interest so that'll that's a little bit different um, but we can get into the difference between the two and then closing fee that's just for the whole process of what we do with you know transferring water HOA performing a closing there are a lot of documents um, usually that you have to sign um, especially if there's a loan but there's so, so for example
1: so for example, when you talk about the owner's policy. So so theoretically, just to, I want to make sure everybody understands what we're talking about here. Theoretically, mm-hmm. if I didn't employ the services of, of your title company, first integrity title, I could theoretically purchase a house, pay that mortgage for 10 years, 15 years, and then somebody comes out of the woodwork that actually has title or deed or a claim to ownership on my property. And I could have spent 15 years paying off for property and not actually own it. That that is that is a plausible scenario, correct? And the owner's policy is protecting me from that from that actually happening. Do, do I have
0: that right? Yes, that is correct. And I think that most of the time that would come from deeds being filed incorrectly sure. or someone creating a deed. But yeah, it's just. Incorrect. And so that's some of uh, the process that we have to revise to do correction deeds. Um, So I always, always recommend talking with the title company uh, and not just creating these things yourself because you can download like quick claim deeds online, but if you don't know, the exact verbiage, uh, it can get very complicated.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I see that. So I want to back up a step. So you've been in this industry for 15 years. uh, I'm super interested in that. And I know you've done a multiple different roles. And so um, 15 years ago, it's what, 2024. So you started right around just after the financial crash uh, in 2008. So you started around 2010 or so. Do I have that right? Yes. So we're coming out of just the insanity of the, the mortgage real estate crash in the, in the middle 2000s. What enticed you to say, yeah, I want to get into this industry? I mean, did you kind of have an aha moment or did you just slip into it? What, what was that like 15 years ago?
0: Yeah, I was just born get into title insurance. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone in title insurance expects to get into title insurance. Uh, I didn't I want to ask to the question that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. We all talk about it in the industry, too. Like, how did you end up here? Because uh, we all love it. Like, it, you, want, you know, if it works for you, it's it's a wonderful place to be. But um, I actually started as a receptionist while i was in college um uh, when my best friend's mother owned a title insurance company and it was it was a smaller mom and pop shop so i you know had a lot of downtime and i don't do well with downtime so i would just kind of walk around and see if anyone had anything for me to do so i learned everything from your initial you know title examination to processing the file uh working up numbers, closing funding. Um I think by the end of that title the title company's existence, I was the only employee. <laughs> oh wow. So, yeah, I am really at the time it it was a little rough, but I'm really grateful now for all of that knowledge. Um and they decided to sell and I kind of I went with the business to uh, another title company sure. and it it was a hard decision, but honestly, one of the best decisions
1: that I made in my life so so you've, you, when, when you mentioned that you uh, back when I first met you, you were a closer so um, kind of what is happening in that capacity in that role, and it, kind of tell us a little bit about more about the different roles you had and which you know what you liked about I want to ask you which one you liked the best, obviously, but what, what you liked about them you know, how, what the experience is connecting with people as they're buying their homes. I mean, I'm kind of interested in, in that angle on what you do because closing is such an interesting part of the transaction. Um, you know, it's where you're sitting down and you have a buyer and seller signing a stack of papers and there's a lot of emotion in there that you can have closings in which people are super nervous, you can have joy, you can have sadness. Kind of walk me through some of your experiences there.
0: That is so true. Uh, so, I'd say most of it's broken down into uh, title and escrow. So, your title side is when we get an order, and the title department is actually doing that search of the chain of title, checking property records, and providing a title commitment, which is a commitment to insure over the transaction. So they're going to pull a vesting deed, which shows who owns the property, any liens against title, which could be, you know, like your regular mortgage or judgments uh, with, you know, sometimes things come up that get recorded um, by the court systems that will actually attach to either your person or your property. So um, those are things that we're looking for as well. And so they'll uh, come up with different requirements that are needed in order to complete the transaction before title can be transferred. So then that title commitment is passed along to the escrow team. And so that's where I uh, was working as a closer. And so it's the closer's job to review the title commitment, see what requirements are needed. And uh, most of them would have a processor that helps them process the file and make sure to satisfy those requirements. So some of that would be, uh, you know, finding a payoff for the mortgage. So typically your seller would provide the title company with their mortgage company, loan information, and things of that nature, so that we can get a payoff amount to make sure that that mortgage is paid off and released at the time of closing. Uh, If the property has an HOA, we'll also be contacting the HOA company And seeing what the dues are there, as well as getting all of the um, documents from the HOA to transfer to the new buyer, um, as well as, I guess, putting it in the buyer's name. Um, So then we can kind of escrow based off of what the seller's paid, when the buyer's coming in, and what to do um, from each party. Or I guess it could be a credit as well. Um, Also then water we call the water company and we'll figure out, you know, how much they currently owe so that we can have the final bill sent to our company. And we will collect uh, for that amount and refund any difference to the seller just to make sure that all of that is paid off and clean uh, before it transfers to the buyer. And then, of course, i put everything in the buyer's name, Um if there's any judgments like a mortgage is pretty typical, but if there's anything else, a cloud on title, that's something that the closer and processor is working to get cleared up.
1: So, so how how often when so people have no clue how much title companies and closers and settlement parties are, are doing behind the scenes? I can just tell you that from from doing this, but and I know you know that. Um, so, how many times are you sitting at that closing table? And you got buyers and sellers and everybody's inking and signing. How many times uh, do you have people just completely shocked at fees or surprises? Is that common? Or do you feel like people are coming to your table that have been pretty well uh, prepped by the lenders or the agents in advance? I mean, kind of what's your perspective on that?
0: I mean, I have the best clients in the world, so I think that people are (laughs) prepped in (laughs) advance. But um ideally yeah you you would see all of these numbers ahead of time and have an idea you know what you're coming to the table with if you're buying um what you're getting back if you're a seller you should know that ahead of time and we do send out all of those final i guess they would call them settlement statements prior to close so that people have an idea of kind of what's going on so um it's kind of fun too it's like that that whole closing it used to be that we would often have, you know, a room with a buyer, seller, both agents, the lender, and then you've got your closer, and it's, it's just kind of crazy. So it takes a real skill to kind of get everyone on the same page and make sure that you have a flow for closing. But yep. honestly, lately, I think it's probably since the pandemic, I'm often seeing the buyer side and seller side split, um, which makes it a little easier from my perspective, but I do kind of miss having the full you know,
1: experience. Yeah. You know, it's interesting in Colorado, um, cause I'm licensed in three States in Colorado, uh, title companies have done an outstanding job using mobile notaries. Um, and you know, split closings, kind of what you referenced in Texas, there's just a big, um, hesitancy to use mobile notaries and things of that nature. And candidly, it makes it more difficult. It's, it's, it's more challenging. Um, And that's just, you know, some of the idiosyncrasies between um, different states and how they close these transactions. So, um, you know, that's just kind of what it is. So so you you were part of the transition from the Dodd from you know pre-2008 to the Dodd Frank regulation that you know brought in things like loan estimates and closing disclosures and all that that kind of stuff. So when you started in twenty fifteen, kind of compare that to today, is the closing process easier with the technology we're using now um, versus twenty, you know, twenty ten or do you find wow. it's more complicated? Kind of weigh, weigh in on kind of the status of the industry from a consumer's perspective. Are we making it easier or more difficult for them?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. So I mean, it, it took a little bit for everyone to kind of learn when that happened, when we switched from you know the HUD-1 settlement statement to the CD. But I think it's really important that the buyer is able to review all of those numbers. Um, a good time ahead of the closing. So I, I think it's actually really beneficial. Uh, I, I know at the time it was kind of daunting, but I think it was a, a really, really good thing.
1: So are, are, are you folks using, um, virtual closings like, uh, via zoom or, um, you know, video kind of where, where do you guys sit on that right now? I, I personally haven't, um, used any of those products uh, in the transactions that I've done, but I know it's happening kind of wh- where do you see the future going? If you can kind of look into your crystal ball, what, what do you think closings are going to be like 10 years from now? Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that or ideas of, of where the technology is going to take us in the industry?
0: I mean, it's kind of funny with, with COVID rolling out, that was something that all of us were kind of were, were asking about, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I think it's taken quite a while. I have just within the past year, more lenders are implementing uh, RON, which is remote online notarization, or they're allowing it, I guess, so more title companies are implementing it. Um, and so, it. I mean, it's a little bit different. Obviously, I guess you touched on just having everyone there at the closing table and having the closer... Um, actually, you know, sit down and sign the documents. I think that's easy. But we are definitely big on remote online notarization, especially if someone's, you know, out of the country or in a different state. Uh, it does really simplify things. It just depends on uh, the lender, typically, if we are able to do that. Um, and then you just kind of sign on and they ask you some questions kind of credit related you know if you owned a blue nissan in 2007 or you know what have you to make sure that they verify your identity um and then you do still work with a notary virtually so it's been interesting and i think that we have really built that out where it's working well when we need to but obviously we, we prefer having people sign in person still so, so d- I'll be interested to does, see where that goes. I,
1: I does the remote predict. does the remote services does that eliminate the need for power of attorneys documents?
0: It depends on
1: what the power of attorney is for. It does. Okay. Yeah. No. I just that that thought just jumped into my head. I was <clears throat> as it, I was listening because yeah, because yeah. as you can, as you can imagine on my side we I you know we always. The, the power of attorney is always challenging on our side because we got to get underwriting involved. You know, obviously we've got to get title involved and it consumes time. And as you know, we are a time-based industry. So that's, that's kind of where we're always, um, yeah. you know, worried about it. So, so yeah, this,
0: you definitely have to sign a little bit more with the power of attorney too. So you're, you're asking a, a favor of someone to write all of that verbiage out. Right, uh, but yeah, right. we have definitely said, um, instead of a power of attorney on a few transactions, definitely.
1: So, so tell me, I, I, I will contend, um, I, I think the title companies and the processors, uh, title processors, but also loan processors, really have their pulse on the real estate mar- market, meaning are we doing great, are we not doing well? And I think, I think a lot of that for title, because you see both refinance volume and you see obviously purchase volume, And you'll see it across both residential real estate and commercial real estate, you know, all different things. So kind of where do you think we are as an industry and a market right now? I'm talking about in terms of health and in volume. Do you see us recovering? Do you see it getting worse? Kind of give me some of your anecdotal sentiment on what we can expect in 2024. And I know you're guessing just like anybody else is, so nobody's going to hold you to these thoughts. But I'm really interested in people who really have the pulse Across and in your particular case, potentially m- many states, um, what's happening in real estate? So, kind of walk me through where you think we're in the market and and what you're excited about, what you're watching, what you're concerned about. I'd be interested in your thoughts.
0: Yeah, that, that's loaded. Um, so, I mean, rates have definitely jumped pretty high. Um, yep. I guess in relation to where they were. I mean, but we just couldn't sustain them at the low twos forever, but I would say 85% of homeowners or so are sitting in those two, 3% interest rates. Yep. So it's definitely slowed things down. I don't, people aren't really refinancing unless they need to. Uh, I'd say the majority of those are divorced or debt consolidation, things of that nature.
1: Yep.
0: Um, the purchase business slowed a bit year, uh, definitely. But I, I'm seeing things heat up uh, when rates went down, you know, at least into the fixes, uh I've, We've seen a lot of buyers enter the market. I just wonder, um, you know, even with more buyers entering the market, do we have enough inventory? Uh, because, like I said, a lot of those people are sitting at a good interest rate. And, you know, even downsizing might not make sense financially for the mortgage payments. So uh, most of our purchases, I haven't seen a lot of cash, but, you know, it, it stayed steady. I think I think it's definitely going to pick up, you know, the Fed's predicting multiple rate cuts uh, over the next year. I'm just not sure when those will be. I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic, um, and I, I'm really feeling like we won't see much uh, until, you know, like Q3 three personally, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, an election always kind of throws a wrench into it. So I, we'll see some change. I just don't know what, it, what exactly is going to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think it, we're not going to see, uh, well, I'm going to say this definitively, but of course I don't know. I, I would be very surprised if we see a rate cut in March at the March. I think the next meeting is March 20th. If I'm mm-hmm. correct on that, I could be wrong, but um I think with what Powell said over the weekend and then that crazy labor number that came out last Friday, it's it's what is the date today? It's February 6th. They'll give us a timestamp there. But um, I I wouldn't be surprised if I'll say April, May, June, we see some kind of dip into the rate cut world. Um, But again, uh, I I have no idea. I mean, I, I obviously don't know. Um, so in, in, in so we, you, you, talked about, you know, we can't sustain the interest rates in the low two, in the twos and the threes, which I completely agree with you. Th- those interest rates were manufactured by federal monetary policy. Um, so do, when you st- first started in 2010, probably the average interest rate was probably, I don't know what it is, but it's probably very similar to what they are today. I think they were in the six, seven and eights in 2010, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So I
0: would uh, agree. I mean, I probably like when I, when I started, I don't know if I was looking at them that closely, but I'd right. say in the following years, yeah, like five and sixes were great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, in 29, you won't remember this. I, I'm, a lot, I'm older than you obviously, but in, you know, 1980, I, we had 19% interest rates on mortgages. Um So, you know, it was, it was crazy. We had just inflation going nuts. So uh, tell everybody kind of what, it, you, you you said you're in the marketing side now um, at, at First Integrity. So kind of what does a typical day look like for you? Who are you talking to? Is it is it buyers? Is it real estate agents, brokers? Kind of what does a typical day look like for you right now as far as, far as who you're speaking with and, and and kind of how you're operating in, in the title real estate world?
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of consider myself as more of a real estate coach, so we provide a ton of education for mostly real estate agents, lenders, of course, as well, uh, just around the whole process, um, as well as marketing, um, how they can market their business and provide value to their clients. So I work very closely with both lenders and real estate agents, um, just helping them build their business and make making sure that they are doing a good job for their clients. So, so I mean, I, I am still fairly involved in the title and closing process just because um, I love it. So I still work up seller net sheets and do all of that. Um, but big piece of mine is actually being inside real estate brokerages.
1: Yeah. So that's pretty, pretty rare. So obviously I've worked with a lot of title companies. I'm working with them on every transaction that we do. Uh, it's it's pretty rare. I, I, well, my perception is it's rare that you'll work with kind of the marketing side who has the ability and the knowledge to do uh, this net sheets and those and those kinds of things. So you're kind of you've got a really unique a unique view into into real estate, which I think is really really kind of cool. Um, so it, it kind of distills some of these conversations without naming names. and I don't want to put you in a tough spot, but um, when you're working with lenders and real estate agents kind of what are the some of the things that you see lenders and real estate agents doing really well? What are the, some of the things that aren't so well? And then kind of connect it if you can to um, just when you see things go smoothly for buyers and sellers. Um, what, what are the agents doing? What are the top successful agents doing really well? Or what are the lenders doing really well as they work and in interface with title companies?
0: Yeah, so, so I guess from more of a, an escrow standpoint, um, I've definitely, you know, had agents and lenders that are great to work with and others that really aren't. <laughs> and everything, you know, kind of falls <laughs> down on title, right? So we yep. are the uh, third party in between the buyer and the seller. So all of the figures are coming through us. We are interacting um, between everyone. And so... Sometimes you know, I'd say a big thing, a uh, big problem with lenders is uh, they just don't get us the figures in time. And so yep. that's everything that we need to, you know, get final closing documents. And so I've got some that are amazing. Um, and I think having that whole Trid uh, rollout really did help with that. Um, but sometimes you're getting numbers really late and it just makes things a little bit more stressful. So when you say, let
1: me interrupt you real quick. When you say numbers, I want to make sure everybody understands you're you're so, you you say you're the third party. I would put it a little more dramatically. I think you're kind of the referee between buyer, sell buyer, sellers, and the lender and uh, all these other third parties. So you're the the scorekeeper then making sure that everybody is being paid properly, not too much or too little because either one's bad. And you're making sure that all invoices, receipts, the loan amounts, the down payments, you're collecting via wire or check or whatever funds, and you're holding those funds. And so you have a commitment to all the parties that those funds will be held securely, but also distributed accurately. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's correct.
0: And yeah, throughout the, all the negotiations, right. Yeah. Inspection rev, uh, resolution items, so there can be, you know, concessions were obvious. we also hold the down payment. Um, so, th- yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And so we are prorating all of the I guess, numbers to make sure that it matches up for the closing date. So even moving things one day could make everything change, yeah, right?
1: It does. Um, it, it makes interest calculation change one day can yeah, completely exactly. completely derail a closing. One day, 24
0: yeah. hours. And not necessarily, ideally, it's fine, but I just, I've just had some folks that are on top of it and others that aren't. And, you know, everyone has different personalities. So I think <laughs> with everything coming down to title at the end, it's just really important that we have all the documentation that we need and we're all working together as a well-oiled machine to uh, bring things to close. So-, so- yeah.
1: So you've got all this money and it's sitting there for the buyer and the seller and the buyer and sellers trying, they're trying to sell a house, buy a house. How, how much time do title companies spend worried about fraud? And we have all this money sitting that's got to go to, to its place. And is fraud a big deal to title companies? I know the answer to this, but I'm going to tee it up for you. So talk to me, talk to me about fraud for a second.
0: I mean, it's a huge deal uh, because, you know, a home is often one of the largest uh, financial decisions that people are making. Right. So, so we're dealing with a lot of money, whether it's a down payment, you know, um, or, um, seller, uh, what the seller proceeds, what we're sending back, whether we're sending those to a title company so they can buy a new property or they're going directly to the seller. There's a lot of, um, where things can kind of get intercepted and i think that some of these hackers really realize the, that there's a big opportunity here so we are constantly trying to educate buyers about war, uh, wire fraud make sure that they check every email because these guys are smart so they'll just change like one letter in the email and send something over saying like hey this is your agent um, these are the wiring instructions for closing and you send it and next thing you know, like you, you can't get it back. So it's so vitally important that everyone is reviewing the wiring instructions on the title commitment, calling the title company by like Googling the title company name, you know, making sure to talk to your closer before wiring any funds, um, So the seller proceeds at closing, we like to get everything handwritten, handed to us by the seller uh, because we just don't want uh, to miss anything. So it's very important to verify because I have heard horror stories of this actually happening. And once it's gone, it's gone.
1: So uh, I'll tell you, you, are you ready for my fraud story?
0: I'm scared, I'm, but yeah,
1: let's go. <laughs> I've, I've got a good, Lauren. I've got a good fraud. St- well, it's not a good fraud story. It's a scary fraud story. So when you say, "Watch the emails," they'll change one letter. When you say, uh, uh, "I cannot emphasize to our buyers and sellers uh, who are out there how important and how accurate and tr- what truth you're telling," and the other thing is, I just reemphasize it: when you get wire instructions, pick and you're a buyer or seller, pick the phone up. And call your closing agent, the one you know. So if, you're, if Lauren's closing at title, call her and verbally verify those wiring instructions over the phone. And that's really what the common practice, at least, that I see and I do. So here, here's my, my story. So I was working very closely with a, a couple, a first time home buyer last, last year, and um, I know them very well. And of course, one of the things I tell everybody in the very beginning when you work with title call and verify all wiring instructions over the phone. And they listened, thank goodness. So I get a call from them about two, two or three days before we're going to close this loan. And they say, hey, Mike, I'm going to forward you an email. And I want to know, is this legit? So they forwarded an email that had all my branding on. It looked 100% that it was from me, except for one thing, the email address was wrong the return email address was wrong, but it had my logo, my name, my license, it had everything from me on it. And so they call me, and they say, hey, Mike, this doesn't look right. And sure enough, somebody somewhere and it wasn't in my system. So I don't know where these people picked this up, but it was proprietary information. So it had to be from either the lender, um, or the title company, somebody's system got hacked. I checked all my systems, I checked all my investors, anybody who had have access to me and none of their systems had been hacked. And so what had happened is these fraudulent uh, operators were trying to get all the down payment and the closing costs wired to them two days before the loan was supposed to fund. And so the implications of this are pretty severe obviously because had that happened, we would have had a major problem. Kudos to my borrowers because they, they called and they verified to make sure it was true. And once we figured that out, I then realized this is not good for me either, because it looks like I'm trying to commit fraud and take their money, because it looked like it was coming for me. So I had to actually go to the FBI. And I filed a report. Uh, and I and I contacted all parties and let them know that this fraud had happened. And so wire fraud is real. And it's part of this industry. And the good news is if we just do some basic rudimentary steps, we can protect ourselves from it, too. So, pretty scary story, don't you yeah. do think?
0: So, it is, and so, like, I would just say, you know, never send a wire without calling first to verify. But don't trust a phone number in an email signature line. Like, you should do your yep. independent research to figure out how to call the title company directly because – they'll put a spoof phone number in there, you know, so you can think you're calling to verify and it's just going to the hacker. So make sure you do independent research, call the title company directly. Um, We would never change wiring instructions in the middle of a transaction, but you do want to always, always, always look at those sender email addresses um, because yeah, they can pretty much take all of your information and make it look so real. So you just want to verify those sender addresses and this happens a lot. So I think, It's just—it's our responsibility uh, as real estate professionals to make sure that we are uh, warning our clients about this because it is b- very, very real, um, and it, it's a big issue. Yeah,
1: and I will say the title companies that I work with are all large, reputable firms, just like yours, and um, it's pretty hard to get through a real estate transaction without a title company educating, you know, the parties confirming to make sure they're protecting themselves against fraud. So kudos to the title industry as well, because I think they do a pretty good job just like you are talking about fraud and, and making sure people are educated on it. So it's an important thing. All right. So um, as we wrap up here, I always leave everybody with this question. So I'm going to ask the question and then I'm going to blabble for a couple seconds to give you time to think of an answer because I don't want you to put you two on the spot, but you've been doing this for 15 years and so I, I just so enjoy chatting with people who are just seasoned professionals who've got a lot of breadth of experience. And I'm always interested in kind of the one or two things they could communicate to buyers and sellers about real estate, um, what you know what your passion might be or what you know what you think the market is. Just a lesson learned that would that would val- be beneficial for a buyer or a seller to hear. From somebody who's been doing this for 15 years so if you had one kind of nugget of truth about real estate anything it can be anything for buyers and sellers what what would it be
0: no i might just link on to the idea of creating generational wealth i love um uh, because because we see that right like yeah. i i can tell um uh, when someone's selling a property and they've owned it for X number of years, how much equity they've really gained in that property. So uh, I think that was a real eye opener for even myself personally, um, as to the real benefit of home ownership. Um, And as you're building that equity, it's kind of just like a piggy bank that grows over time. Right. And So as you're making your payments, your property is, uh, Getting more valuable, and then when you sell, you can sell it for typically a lot more than what you bought it for, depending on you know where the market's at and how long you've owned it. Um, but you know, I've seen people use their house to you know cash out, pay for kids' college, um, start a business, buy an investment property. Uh, I think just getting into a home, uh, whether it's your dream house right off the bat um owning real property is uh such a benefit and so i would highly recommend um even if you feel like you can't um it just takes some financial planning and dedication but if you're thinking about it long term uh it's really a wise financial decision
1: well i i couldn't agree with you more and uh i just i love working with people um who have been in this industry and have seen kind of the ebbs and flows? Uh, that just pe- people like you have been doing. It. You bring a level of professionalism into what you do and your craft that I think is really important. Um, and people need to know that there's people that are passionate about this. So that that's just great news. So before we wrap up and leave here, um, I would love to have you share kind of just one more time your name, who you work for, and where people can get a hold of you, whether it be phone, email, whatever your preferred kind Of method is so, I want to make sure we get that. So, can you share kind of who you are and your name and where you work and how can people get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, again, uh, thanks for having me. My name is Lauren Avery Collins, I work with First Integrity Title Company in Colorado, um, but we are a national title company. My phone number is 303 669 0679. And you can always check out our website to learn more at www.firstintegritytitle.com. And that's all spelled out, F-I-R-S-E integritytitle.com.
1: And I'll have all that information in the show notes as well. So Lauren, you've given us a ton of your time today, and uh, hopefully this won't be the last time you're on podcast. I'd just love to check touch in with you again here in the not too distant future. Uh, Any other things you want to leave us with before we hang up here? And uh, again, just can't thank you. uh, Thank you enough for sharing so much time and expertise and knowledge with us this afternoon. No, thank you. I
0: could talk about title insurance forever, which I don't know if that's sad for me, but I absolutely love what I do. Um, I'd love to come back. There's, there's so many topics, uh, to touch on here, but I'm really grateful for your time as well. And your partnership, you're always a pleasure to work with as well. And, um, I wish they could all be like you, um, but (laughs) really, really grateful for you.
1: Well, wonderful. Well, thanks again. We will chat soon and you have a great 2024.
0: You as well.
1: Thanks, Mike. Thanks for joining us on Mosaic, the stories of real estate. And a big thank you, as always, to Rogue Media Network and their support of this podcast. They're so appreciated. My name is Mike Nelson. I'm the CEO of Efficient Lending Incorporated, a mortgage company located in Colorado, Texas, and Florida. You can reach us at YouTube at Efficient Lending or on Facebook at Efficient Lending. And of course, I always love a phone call at 720-419-3016. Email works as well at mike at efficientlending.net. Efficient Lending Incorporated, NMLS 187-6539. And my individual NMLS number is 131-4188. As always, thanks for listening to Mosaic, the stories of real estate. And we look forward to connecting with you again on a future episode.